Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. Your little garden tour. <laughs> Our front lawn is now a vegetable garden. And Sharon Collette is wearing rubber boots as she crouches down by one of her raised beds on her front lawn in St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, asparagus there, corn, which I love growing, and then more zucchini. This is an impressive garden. She spends a lot of time here pulling things from the earth and lately thinking about how she eventually wants to go back to the earth. We were redoing our wills. It was just they were old and we needed to update them. So she's been researching the end game, if you will, her eventual death, because she wants to do the best thing for the earth. What's most appealing is a green burial. But in Newfoundland, there isn't a green cemetery, at least not yet. So her end-of-life care instructions are a little vague. I have sort of a very non-committed <laughs> phraseology saying that I would like to be married in the most environmentally option available in St. John's at the time of my death, basically. Right, and so you, you've got a few years left, uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so at the time of your death, are you hoping that there'll be a green cemetery? I'm, I'm sure there will be, yeah. That other voice, that's producer Caroline Hillier. She's talking to Sharon there, and it is the beginning of Caroline's investigation into green burials in Canada. I'm Laura Lynch, and you're listening to What on Earth, where we bring you a world of climate solutions. Today, Caroline's taking us from coast to coast to find out how people like Sharon can not only live, but die with the climate in mind. Right now, the closest certified green burial is in Halifax. That's where you'll find the full-of-life Wayne Hatcher. And I said, hey, Juanita... I ain't going to go green burial. I want you to bury me naked. And she says, no, that's after we got the rules and regulations. She said, I'm not burying you naked, Wayne. And I said, hey, put me on the living room floor and just roll me up in, 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 a, in one of our sheets and then take me to the cemetery and, uh, and everything will be just natural, just going back to the earth. Wayne and his wife, Juanita, own Sunrise Park Interfaith Cemetery in Halifax. We have the only certified green burial east of Ontario. What is a green or natural burial? Well, there's no embalming. For nature, just to work on the body. The body is wrapped in a shroud or sheet or placed in a wooden or wicker box. Everything has to be 100% biodegradable. Then it's buried three to four feet below. Because for the ecosystem, hey, it's perfect. The elements of the earth are just fabulous. There are no headstones, but instead there's a simple and natural marker. A nice tree or a nice just granite rock with a name of the deceased on it. Sunrise Park is what's called a hybrid cemetery. About four years ago, Wayne set aside part of the cemetery for green burials. And if you couldn't tell, Wayne is all in. It's amazing how many calls are coming in 
wanting information on green burial. And I love for this to happen. It gives me, look, I got goosebumps. You can see it all over my arms. Part of Wayne's marketing plan is his red truck with bold yellow lettering that reads Green Burials. Jason? Jason and Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl, it's such a pleasure to have you both here. After a call from a curious couple, he invites them for a tour. Beautiful. So happy you're here with us. You would probably be Cheryl Stedman Roth and Jason Roth live just outside of Halifax. And our accountant, who's our executor, recently, when we're revising our will, recently nudged us to say, okay, you've been talking about it. Do it. <laughs> make a decision. Uh, make, make, make the decision <laughs> for me, please. And not having any children, uh, it's up to us. So here we are. So you're thinking about going green burial or cremation? Green burial. All right. Is. Cheryl, Cheryl is set on a green burial, but Jason isn't sure. Green burial. The tour starts in the part of the cemetery that is not green. And Wayne lists off all the reasons why they're damaging for the environment and for the climate. Below those headstones, we have garden vaults, which are plastic. We have uh, concrete vaults. We have the caskets that's covered with varnish. We have statistics of tons and tons of concrete, um, thousands or millions of uh, board feet of lumber. And worse than that is the embalming. This down here with the embalming bodies, you're not feeding the earth. You're just poisoning the earth. Jason isn't really considering the embalmed fancy casket route. He's debating two options. I guess it's between cremation or green burial. But even cremation isn't innocuous. Okay. I'm going to suggest to you not to be cremated because you might as well get aboard my vehicle and drive as far as, what, River Duluth, roughly 1,200 kilometers? That's because when you cremate a body, it takes the equivalent of one to two tanks of gas for an SUV. That's according to the Natural Burial Association in Ontario. The incinerator operates at high heat for up to three hours, generally running on natural gas releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. But can one body really make a difference to the climate? Wayne says every single one counts, and if we all do it, it could reduce carbon emissions significantly. And if that doesn't convince you, he has another point. At his cemetery, green burials are cheaper. He points to a large headstone. That monument down there would be $10,000. And then you get your caskets. And like I said, all the, and then, then the visitation. You're speaking at the finances. I am focusing on the spiritual, yes. emotional uh, aesthetics. Yes. I think I'm not looking for a good deal as a spiritually consistent with my values deal. What's speaking to me is the, the emotional. The emotional and the spiritual yeah. part of it, yes. And I'm surprised that I, you know, the degree that I'm emotionally moved right now. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's, that's what it's all about here, I'm telling you. So let's walk down together. Can you feel it, Jason and Sherry? Can you just feel it in your bones when you're down in this section all by itself? Two large boulders sit at the entrance of the green section. The part of the cemetery that Wayne says has more life. Can you feel anything different? Peaceful. Yeah. Quiet. How about you, Jason? 
don't throw in a car, but I'm being moved. <laughs> when I see somebody coming down here or even walking down with their loved one in a cardboard box or in a, you know, just a, a natural shroud, it's uh, just awesome. You just love it. Wayne is pointing out some of the graves. Some have flowers, boulders, fruit trees. Like I mentioned her first name, her first name is Pamela. And Pamela wanted a nice maple tree here. And this is the tree right here, about 14 feet high. And some other people would just want just all flowers over their grave with no markers. Cheryl plans to have a tree on her grave. I want to grow a tree with my genes. Since I don't have children of my own, I figure I'll come back as a tree and from there I'll go on to the animals. And <laughs> yeah, you, you've also played with the idea of the trees giving life to birds, squirrels, and uh, it's, it's more than a tree. Wayne says at Sunrise Park, more and more people are choosing this side of the cemetery. He says for every regular burial, there are three green burials. Maybe it has something to do with his sales technique. And today, another plot is spoken for. Jason is convinced. I've, I've shifted just in this visit. Yeah. Show me a spot where we can buy. Absolutely. This is not a rash decision. This is a culmination of a lot of thinking. Planning. And it feels right. The world of itself is not heading in a healthy direction. I look at children and I say their future is going to be more challenging. I spent a lot of time, a lot of effort promoting environmental causes, trying to live responsibly, contributing in a variety of ways. And what's resonating within me is that this is just a logical conclusion that is the purpose, to make a difference to the environment, to the ecosystem. And I think we are going to be making an impact. Jason and Cheryl plan to pick their plot and plant their tree themselves. We can find a spot. Yes. We can come while we're alive, yes. plant a tree yes. off a short distance from that spot, yes. and we can commit to green burials. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun planting a tree. (laughs) And I like the idea that I'll be around to plant it. I've been sold. I'm surprised. I've been sold. Paper or plastic? Oh, I forgot my own bags. Um, Plastic. No, wait, paper. Hang on, which one's better? I don't know. Don't stress, Neil. The podcast Living Planet is here to help. We know you want to do what's right for the planet, but you're busy and you have to make a thousand small decisions every day. So we endeavor to answer what's better. Cotton or polyester? Tea or coffee? For answers to these environmental conundrums and your questions, subscribe to Living Planet wherever you listen to podcasts. Green burial is is the way that we used to take care of our dad before there was a funeral industry. Richard Rawson has been a funeral director for 40 years in Winnipeg. He's focused now on green burials and is the president of the Green Burial Society of Canada. The group pushes for more environmentally responsible after-death care. 
the funeral industry itself really needs to play a role into making death a more positive, ecologically friendly experience. There are 12 certified hybrid cemeteries across Canada. And if there isn't one near you, you still may be able to skip the casket and chemicals. It's, it's a conversation with the cemetery and saying, will you allow this? And all they're, all they're doing is um, allowing an unembalmed body in the grave, in a grave that's dug uh, a little less than, than normal, in, in, in a traditional sense of the, the old six feet under analogy. As for the funeral industry, it's adapted to change before. When cremation took over, then in the pandemic, when technology and live streaming became popular. Now, Richard says, it's time to shift to green burials. It's, it's coming, and if a funeral director isn't going to agree to it, there's somebody across the street that will, and they'll just be left on the sidelines, basically. While the climate and environment are top of mind, Richard says there are other benefits to green burials. It brings people back to the whole thing of actually being hands-on, of, of participating in, in all of it, of perhaps sanitizing and, and bathing the body, helping to dress or shroud, placing them in the container or the carrier tray, bringing them to the cemetery. And it's that touch and it's, it's that emotional connection to the deceased that I realized was so crucial to help people through. Hi, this is Tim and Joe. Hi, Hi Tim and Joe. This is my dog, this is Cowboy. 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 How you doing? Come here. <laughs> On Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, another cemetery tour. Is this a mountain? It is, it's Mount Bruce. Yeah, yeah, this is just the, the foothill, the, the base of Mount Bruce. Mm. Yeah, Kathy Mount Valentine's Bruce. property didn't always have a cemetery on it. Most of this 84 acres is agricultural, which means it's protected. But the other 17 acres is zoned rural. And on rural land, you can do different things, like you can build houses and you can subdivide it um, and you can log it. They wanted to find a way to protect this rainforest forever. And also, one of the listed uses actually on rural land is said, it says in our bylaw 355 is a cemetery. <laughs> okay, so that's so funny. Like of all the things it lists, it lists maybe eight uses. And one of them actually says cemetery. <laughs> so I was like, oh. And that is how this part of Kathy's property became Salt Spring Island Natural Cemetery. It's a bit of a radical act of conservation. Turning the forest into a cemetery keeps it a forest forever. What we felt after that first one, we were like, yay, yeehaw, like one body in the ground, we've done it. Like the land is protected. The one body in the ground makes this a cemetery and protects all of this land. And the trees are second growth trees. They're about 100 years old. And they, they are... There's stands of trees in groupings, and then there's areas of, of, of openings where there are no trees. So it's, we could just see that, that we could leave those trees as, as they were or are, and then put graves in between the stands of trees. So we didn't have to take out any trees. We didn't take out any trees. There are some key differences between this cemetery and the hybrid one in Halifax. This is one of only two fully green or natural cemeteries in Canada. Kathy doesn't allow people to plant their own trees here. 
And it's not really cheaper than a traditional burial. A full-body natural grave here is around $5,000. But again, economics isn't always a factor. It's climate, it's habitat for, for creatures, right? It's, 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 it's the trees. It's the trees themselves protecting them. It's, it's holding down uh, water and coolness, which is climate, which is also climate in the big sense, but also in the near sense, like just right here in this little ecosystem, in this little environment. It's the frogs, it's the ferns, it's the birds, it's the owls. The ravens nest in this forest, the, the, the barred owls nest in this forest. On and on and on in terms of nesting birds who come here and nest. On these tours, Kathy gets practical questions. The spots are, are not very deep, like maybe three feet, did you say? Yes. So being in the forest, what you know what I'm going to ask, right? <laughs> do, do the bodies get dug up by creatures? Like what? No, the bodies don't get dug up. Apparently the smell barrier is 18 inches, so there has to be 18 inches on top, which isn't really a lot, right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a mound of moss covering the most recent burial here on Salt Spring Island, the grave of Michael Angel. After he was buried, Kathy and Michael's daughter, Jeanette, gathered the moss and pieced it together like a puzzle. But it was the perfect time of year to do it right now with Jeanette. And and a year ago, we buried a woman, and it's the same thing. She came back the next day, and I did that. Oh, I've done that with a few people now, and it's really, it's it's a sweet time. Because, again, it's something people can do, and they can be a part of the grave and do it together and... I, I, I think that's really nice. It's, it's again, it's like being in, in the earth, not all in our heads or in our hearts, but doing something physical for our loved ones is, is good for us. Michael Angel was a university librarian, a scholar who researched Indigenous culture, and he was a dad and a husband. He celebrated 60 years of marriage with his wife, Barbara, a month before he died this fall. He was 83. The word that came up for me today was he was a rascal. <laughs> in, a, in a playful boy-like sense. Um, he sparkled and he made other people sparkle. That's Michael's daughter, Jeanette. Michael had cancer and dementia. He loved nature and the outdoors, and a natural burial seemed fitting for Michael. And then my brother was able to bring my dad and my mother to the grounds, to the burial grounds. And that was, of course, absolutely transformative for my dad. At that point, he was still walking, and they walked into the woods and into the the site where it's, you know, in the the forest, and it's the deep forest, it's the rainforest. And he just said, yes, yes, I, I would like to be here. I'd like to rest here. It's really, really quiet. And it's like the entire space feels like you're already enveloped in a nest or a cocoon or a, a, a working biosphere that, that doesn't feel like it's been engineered at all. You are in a natural environment. 
We had a, an Anglican minister who was willing to attend uh, and do a graveside ritual. And we also had a member of the Cowichan Nation who attended as a witness to our actions as well. And then, as it turns out, my mother spontaneously started singing a French voyageur song as we were doing the work of putting soil onto his body. And so she sang a song, and then I sang a song as I was putting soil onto him. Called A la Claire Fontaine, and it's the song that I would sing to my children when they were first born. And so I would sing this song to try and help them sleep, and I would sing it, and I would get the the stanzas wrong and I would sing it and I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up and they would be crying and so I would sing again. <laughs> and so it was a very important song in my family for their birth and it felt like the exact right song to help my dad with his passing even though he'd already passed. À la claire fontaine mon allant promener J'ai trouvé l'eau si belle que je me suis baignée. Il y a longtemps que je t'aime, jamais je ne t'oublierai. J'ai trouvé l'eau si belle. The translation? It's been a long time that I've loved you, and I will never forget you. The last line of Michael's obituary reads, While he sleeps among the trees, he would still welcome visitors. I have no illusion about whether a few people choosing to be buried this way will actually do anything in the larger sense of the word. But I do know that for me, I just, I don't want the layers and layers of intervention in a process that really is fundamentally natural. We are all nature. Thanks to Caroline Hillier, who produced that story, along with the team at CBC's Audio Doc Unit, including Allison Cook, Jody Martinson, and Moira Donovan. And we would love to hear your thoughts on Green Burial because I know you have thoughts. Since I mentioned we were working on this story, we've already heard from you. Thanks to Roxana Mandrick on Denman Island for letting us know about the natural burial cemetery there. Krista Ovenel, love your suggestion that we look into green cremation. Catherine McCormick asked about aquamation, and those are good ideas for future shows. Our email is earth at cbc.ca. And we've got some time now for climate stories making news this week. As the UN Climate Conference nears, it's good to note a few firsts. 
Pope Francis is heading to Dubai, marking the first time there's been a papal presence at the global gathering. Francis has used papal encyclicals, essentially letters to the faithful, to urge caution and care in the name of protecting the planet. The European Union's new Climate Action Commissioner will be attending the talks for the first time, and Wapke Hoekstra, a Dutchman, has little to no experience in climate diplomacy. In fact, he's a former employee of Shell Oil, but Hoekstra says he's committed to taking a tough stand against fossil fuels. And we'll have much more on the COP28 summit coming up on What on Earth? The International Energy Agency says oil and gas companies shouldn't rely on carbon capture and storage to help them continue extracting fossil fuels. The technology, which is still unproven at scale, would sequester emissions generated in harvesting oil and gas and bury them underground. Canada's energy sector says carbon capture is key to its decarbonization efforts. The IEA says limiting global temperature increases to 1.5 degrees Celsius means that 32 billion tons of emissions need to be sequestered by carbon capture by 2050. It's an amount the report calls entirely inconceivable. And speaking of carbon capture, Ottawa has changed the proposed tax credit for companies that capture and store carbon underground. At first, projects couldn't get the credit if they used the captured carbon to extract more oil from underground. But the latest draft legislation suggests the tax credit will now be available to projects that, at least in part, are doing just that. The advocacy group Environmental Defence calls it a huge rollback that's subsidizing the oil industry. And of course, you can read more about climate change in the CBC What on Earth newsletter, and you can subscribe to have it delivered to your inbox every week. Remember, you can listen to all of our episodes at CBC Listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we drop two new podcasts every week. We've just started doing that every Wednesday and Saturday. You can find a new episode of What on Earth. It is jam-packed full of climate solutions, but now they're in smaller packages, a little easier to handle. And to that end, we'd love it if you'd share our podcast with a friend or a family member. Well, your family member, maybe your friend, I don't know. But (laughs) in any event, there's someone who might be interested in the subject and they've never heard the show. Or someone who may not think they're interested, but when they hear what we've got to offer, yeah, they're right in with it. So spread the word. We'd really appreciate that. That's all for us this week. The show was put together by Danielle Piper, Vivian Luck, Rachel Sanders, Molly Siegel, Matthias Wilson, and Catherine Rolfson. I'm Laura Lynch. Thank you for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.